Emerging Europe Talks brings you insight and intelligence designed to help entrepreneurs, investors, governments and all knowledge seekers navigate the emerging Europe region. The talks focus on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture and help the right people identify the right opportunities and trends. This is Emerging Europe Talks Digital Economy. My name is Andrew Robel and I am joined by Nenad Paunovic, Director of the IT and Entrepreneurship Team in the Serbian Prime Minister's Office. Previously, he was one of the founders of the Belgrade Venture Forum, the largest innovation, investment and entrepreneurship event in the region. Nenad, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Hello, Andrew. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you. So let's kick it off with the first question. So there seems to be a tech boom in Serbia, and I know digital economy has been one of Anna Brnabic, the Serbian prime minister's priorities. I saw it firsthand when, for example, when I was in uh, Serbia in Belgrade earlier this year, at the beginning of this year, joining two different conferences. But you have been involved in building a knowledge-based economy in Serbia a little bit longer than that, a little bit longer than Ms. Brnabic has been in, in the office. How would you summarize the process that has been taking place in Serbia over the last two decades? Well, it's a great question. It took us a while in Serbia to really recognize on a systemic level the importance of IT and tech for economic development. For instance, when we co-founded Belgrade Venture Forum back in 2012, it was really kind of an exotic thing. You know, startups, investments, VC fund, what is a venture capital fund and things like that. But when uh, Mrs. Bernabic became uh, first the minister in 2016 and then the prime minister in 2017, it was really kind of a huge, you know, people were really surprised, huge surprise when she declared the digitalization as the government's number one priority. It was not just an important thing like in many other countries, but really the number one priority and since then, all of us that were previously involved in building the digital ecosystem, we really got a, a real boost. And uh, I joined her team in 2017. And since then, we were really working a lot in supporting the digital ecosystem. And I believe results are here now and we have done many, many great things. And uh, this is the situation we started a little bit late but then we were able to move really, really fast. So many people say that we've done in three years since uh, Anna Bernabic took office of the prime minister of Serbia. We've done in three years more than many other countries have done in 10 or 15 years. So I believe that in many ways we, we really catch up. If you say that you have a fantastic infrastructure, what, what do you mean specifically? I mean, all data are digitalized and connected. And that's the most important thing. We also have a formal governmental body called Office for IT and E-Government. That is a horizontal body that reports directly to the prime minister. So they are well-funded, well-equipped. So they handle all the infrastructure, both uh, physically in terms of data centers and connections and software and whatnot and data and software services and e-services to citizens. So, for instance, we have maybe one of the best systems for registering a, a newborn in Serbia. It takes only 10 minutes on a tablet in the hospital, so you do not have to waste a lot of time visiting all the counters and everything. 
So we really tried to take people off the physical counters to the e-government website and to finish everything there from payments, from registering, from having all the government certificates for, you know, enrolling children to kindergarten, to school, many, many things. And we are constantly launching new services. And that's one of the reasons why OECD, when they've done a research on COVID resilience and how the government digital response to COVID was, Serbia was among the top five countries in the world in terms of what have we done when, you know, COVID crisis struck. We transformed our education without losing a single day of school in March, and I believe on March 17th, when our education just transferred during the weekend from the classrooms to online to broadcasting on national television. Serbia at that time maybe had the best schooling system in Europe because, for instance, more than half of Europe did not have a schooling system at that time. And we just transferred because we started investing in digital education in 2017. And then our teachers were trained. We did have systems in place. We had digital textbooks. We did know how to, you know, it comes back to the to the creativity part. We did know how to produce content. Uh, we did know how to distribute that content to pupils. And that was like a digital education. And then we did uh, introduce really quickly symptom self-checker on a government e-health system. We introduced a Viber chatbot uh, for citizens to have all the information they need on a chatbot. And the chatbot software was developed by a Serbian company. We introduced um, e-solidarity software. We introduced uh, a lot of services. Uh, we enrolled people, uh, students for this generation from September this year. We enrolled them during the summer and during the April, May fully electronically. So really, our investments in digitalization really paid off during the COVID crisis because it provides us really much more resilience than otherwise we would be. And we can see that also in the GDP growth of Serbia, for instance, we are looking at either zero GDP growth or minus one or so this year and we fully expect that to be the best result in in europe this year in in terms of gdp growth that sounds really good you're talking about education i, I would like to also look at human capital in that respect, because that is vital for the development of digital economy. How have you been working on that? And I'm not talking about in, you know, about education in relation to COVID right now, but in general, also maybe utilizing, you know, diaspora, because that is also an interesting topic. Well, in terms of education, that was really one of the starting point in developing the digital ecosystem, because, you know, talent is the basis of everything and engineers and having an adequate knowledge, but not now, but uh, sustainably into the future. So back in 2017, we introduced coding as the mandatory subject in the fifth grade of elementary school. So in the fifth grade, pe uh, pupils learn Scratch, and then in sixth grade, Python, and then Pygame, and then in eighth, Jupyter. And uh, next year, we will have the first generation of students that have been learning coding for the past four years as a mandatory subject. And then they will go to the secondary school and then they will have some of them specialized IT courses. And then within, you know, a couple of years, you will have real engineers with 10 to 12 years of formal education in coding. And we do strongly believe it's, it's a huge thing. And this year we introduced even from the first grade of elementary school, 
a subject called digital world. It's not so much about coding, but it's about teaching kids how to live with all the technology that surrounds them and that they're growing with. So we are building a digital generation. We are trying to teach kids not what to think because we do not know how their their jobs are going to look 10 or 20 or 30 years from now. We want to teach them how to think and how to learn and how to live with technology, but in a really responsible and in a productive way. And we do that together with the digital economy, the representatives of the best companies in Serbia. For instance, we do have a so-called The Loop Foundation funded and created by the private sector that create educational materials for the coding trainings, for the coding curriculum in the school. So we took and implemented that so that we can say that since the fifth grade of elementary school, we really do have the world-class curriculum. And we are also connected since the digital world is global. It doesn't know the physical borders so well. So we have a really great, uh, for instance, uh, cooperation with the organization called uh, Serbian Entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley, from New York, from, from London. These are s- successful Serbian tech and mostly tech entrepreneurs that want to help Serbia, and we are really working together on, on so many levels and so many projects. We also work with an organization called Digital Serbia Initiative. It's also a private NGO that uh, gathers the best tech companies in Serbia. So we are together, the government, the organizations, the companies, the schooling system. We are really trying to work together to as, as a team Serbia that wants to be successful on a global level in this digital world that we do see as a huge opportunity to leapfrog, to really catch up what we have missed during the maybe uh, last couple of decades. But now with all that engineering talent, STEM knowledge, and our mindset that is used to live in turbulent times, to is used to live in an unpredictable situations, and it's flexible and it's not afraid of taking risks and jumping into new technologies, we do believe that Serbia can really leapfrog and and catch up. So right now, the tech accounts for about 6% of the economy. In which areas the progress has been the largest, if you will? Well, definitely software development. In Serbia, software development grows around 20-25% annually. The export of ICT services also uh, grows 20-25% for the last 10-14 years, I don't know. And the important thing is that it is now, so the export of ICT services from Serbia is the largest net exporting industry of the country. And overall, it is one of the largest uh, industries of the country and uh, GDP, percentage of GDP, which mentioned 6%, is larger, larger than construction. It's pretty close to, to agriculture. So it's on its way to become the largest industry in Serbia. And in software development especially, we started as an outsourcing destination as many other Southern East European countries. But now we see the transition in two ways. One is moving up the value chain. So our software services companies are now less and less what some call cheap labor, but now they are profiling themselves as a really tech expert. So top tier US and global companies are coming to Serbia when they 
cannot resolve a hard technical challenge themselves. So they come for a solution and they come for our engineering solutions. And we have more and more companies like that. And I believe it's a fantastic thing. And the other way they're growing is in building their own products. And those products can be either SAAS or it can be a medtech device, fantastic medtech device supported by really sophisticated AI algorithms and software in the cloud and integrating software and hardware. And we see really some, some great products in development. And we are really optimistic for, for the growth of Serbian IT and especially software development industry. But it seems that Serbia has become a destination for blockchain companies as well. Yes, in Serbia, for some reason, many people jumped on the Bitcoin wagon really early on. So we did have a lot of people investing in Bitcoins and blockchain tokens when it was really a, a, a nascent industry. And then from there, people started, you know, trying to understand how all that blockchain thing works. And then they started coding since we have a lot of engineers and a great engineering talent. And back in 2017, for instance, Serbia has the largest ICO on the planet. The company called Game Credits collected more than 50 million US dollars in their ICO. And Market to Markets report uh, said that Serbian blockchain ecosystem is among the top five in the world in terms of number of blockchain developers. And now we have uh, teams that technically run uh, some of the most sophisticated DeFi and blockchain platforms globally. And the development and technical team is in Serbian cities of Belgrade or, or Novi Sad. And it's really, uh, really, Serbia is still, although bigger countries maybe now have more blockchain developers than Serbia, but Serbia is still a blockchain powerhouse, really. But it's not only blockchain. Emerging Europe recently discussed the gaming sector in the region. And one of the key messages was that the Serbian gaming industry is going through an expansion phase. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's also an interesting thing because gaming is like a mix of creativity, arts, tech, engineering. And we really have talented people in, in all those areas. Uh, we have a really along with standing tradi uh, tradition in movie industry, in movie production. And we have uh, great tech engineers like many other East European countries. We have really strong STEM sciences education in, in Serbia. And all those engineers mixed with artists, they create some, some really world-class games. The most popular football manager game in the, in the world comes from Serbia. And many Hoppa games, for instance, the best Hoppa companies in the world are from Serbia. For instance, the human model, 3D models of people in Epic Games, really one of the world's most popular companies is run from Serbia. All those things, they acquired Serbian trilateral company a bit more than, than a year ago, maybe two years ago. So we do see a lot of uh, talent in both creativity and engineering side of the gaming. And that's why the gaming industry is really recognized as a, as a sector strength from startup genome research. And uh, they are looking in, into more than 100 uh, startup ecosystems in the world. And uh, Novi Sad Belgrade ecosystem is 
uh, on their list. Uh, it's among uh, top uh, in the world in activation ecosystems, and gaming is really a sector strength there. So tell me a little bit about the smart cities in Serbia. Is that also developing? I'd like to learn a little bit more here as well. Yes, uh, smart cities is also one of the areas, because in Serbia, like a couple of decades ago, we had a consumer electronics industry when it was still TVs and telephones and things like that. But we do have that combination of software and hardware as well. And that's perfect for, for IoT. And with all those um, sensors in development, all those flying objects that are now around us, internet capability being able to connect all those in, in real time, we do have several world-class companies that are working in, for instance, you know, agriculture. We have one of the excellent centers of the Europe for Agriculture Institute Biosense in Serbia. And now with city of Belgrade, for instance, and other cities jumping into that IoT wagon, that's where we have smart city solutions. And we have a lot of smart solutions implemented already in, in city of Belgrade, in the capital of Serbia. We have like smart parking solutions, uh, smart traffic lights and uh, traffic management solutions and many other things that we are really utilizing technology to improve the quality of life of the citizens in our largest cities. Mm -hmm. So my final question, because this podcast is really about opportunities. So Serbia has been, you know, has heavily relied on the support and investment from one particular Asian investor, which has backed the development of an artificial intelligence platform, launched a digital hub, deployed facial recognition cameras in Belgrade, for example. Where do you see room for other foreign investors in tech and innovation sphere in the country? I would kindly disagree about the heavily relied because we have, to my knowledge, two ongoing government contracts with huge tech suppliers and both are uh, top tier companies from US. We have uh, at least two or three MOUs with really the most well-known companies from US. On the other hand, our largest trade partner of Serbia is EU with Germany and Italy being the largest trade partners. In terms of medtech, for instance, we are working with also globally top European companies and European suppliers. And I can go on and on. But the matter of fact is that Serbia is one of the most open countries in the world. And one of a very, very few places in the world where people from US, UK, EU, Russia, China, India, Turkey, and I can go on and on, can come in without a visa, which means we are very open. We are friendly to everyone. We are an EU accession country. Our strategic goal is to join EU, but we also have great relations with China, with Russia, with US, and many other countries. So we are really and especially in these times where where world is kind of polarizing and not being so united as, as maybe we all will want it to be, uh, we are really proud that Serbia is a really friendly, open place and inviting place for investors from all parts of the globe. Nana, thank you very much for all the insight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review.
This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com.